Well, awesome. Welcome again to the Becoming Church. We're so excited uh, that you're here. And I also want to say welcome to all of those who are going to connect with us later in the week uh, by way of YouTube. And listen, I get it. Like we're about to step into summer season and maybe sports. You got travel, a ball and all those things. And so I want you to have the opportunity uh, to be able to connect what's happening in here uh, each Sunday. And so you can do so by subscribing uh, to our YouTube channel simply by searching uh, the Becoming Church and we'll pop up. Uh, and in fact, uh, we're the Becoming Church on all social media platforms, so you can just stay uh, connected to everything uh, that's happening here, and uh, we're excited about that. I'm also excited today. Uh, today we're not in a collection. We ended um, a collection last Sunday, Easter Sunday, called Come and See, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but I thoroughly enjoyed that collection, and what we're doing now, it's a bridge between what we're going to kick off uh, next week, and next week is called Practicing the Way, and I'll get more, uh, uh, provide more details in terms of what that looks like. But this Sunday, it's kind of a bridge Sunday uh, from the series we were in, Come and See, to the uh, collection that we're going to be starting next Sunday called Practicing the Way. And at the heart of Come and See, it was based off of what uh, Philip said to Nathaniel in terms of like, hey, I think we met the one that the prophets have talked about, the Messiah. And he says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, uh, what good can come out of Nazareth? And he said, simply just said, come and see. And so I believe what uh, this is going to be a bridge conversation to set us up for practicing the way. And we're going to uh, kick this conversation off today uh, from Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verses 18 through 22. And so I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word, and you can follow along with me if you have a copy. If you don't, no worries. It's going to be available up on the screen as well. And even before I move on, I also want to take some time to shout out our serve team that absolutely crushed it uh, last Sunday and all of the preparations that had to take place. Yes, listen, everything uh, that you see here uh, every single Sunday is a result of a team that's getting up early on a day off on Sunday morning to set it up. And they do it because they love the Lord and want to serve what he is doing. And I love that. And so if you've been having some thoughts about joining the serve team, listen, I'm going to go ahead and say you should do it. Pathway would be the best way to do it. Next week, uh, May 1st, 15 minutes following service. It's going to be awesome. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were also called the Sons of Thunder. It's a cool nickname to have, I don't know. But it says, they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee. Preparing their nets, Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boats and their father and followed him. Listen, have you ever gotten yourself into something that you later asked yourself, what did I get myself into? Have you ever done that? Am I the only one? I see some heads nodding out there. Cool. I, I feel okay now. I'm not the only one. I don't know. Maybe you're a daredevil, and somebody dared you to do something, and you was like, yo, I'll, I'll do it. 
And in the minute of trying to cash in on that, you realize, what did I get myself into? Or maybe if you ever volunteered to help somebody move, but you didn't get the full details, and you thought it was just a few boxes, and next thing you know, it was an entire house, right? And it was just like, hold on. You was like, hey, we got lunch coming. Lunch? I thought we was going to be done by then. <laughs> You're asking, what did I get myself into? You know, I've been there before, and it was the day that our oldest son, Isaiah, was born, uh, which he actually just celebrated a birthday last Monday. But I remember the moment he was born and holding him and looking at him and just saying, what have we done? (laughs) What do we get ourselves into? Now, that question became further impactful when we got him home. Because when you're in the hospital, it's all fake. It's, it's not real life because you got a team coming in there. They're helping you out. Oh, y'all, y'all need a nap? Cool. We're going to take them to the nurse. We got the hearing tests and all that good stuff. I'm like, go ahead. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And I'm sitting there like, man, people were tripping. This thing ain't that bad. How many guys know that all changed, come on, when we got them home? That's when I was like, hold on. So y'all going to let us put them in the car? And y'all not hopping in? You can have a shotgun. It's all good. Just as long as you come to the house because we don't know what to do with this thing. Or human, little boy, whatever. It was crazy. And, you know, all those little books they tell you to read, trash those books. When it's cold, burn them up in your fireplace because it does not work like that. You breathe if you want. Like, you do all this if you want to. That boy crying. That ain't working. We got to figure out. A solution. And I just remember, like, encountering a lot of stuff that I'm like, yo, my friends who already have kids, they did not tell me the truth about having a baby. Like, I'm not going to get gross here in the morning, but there's some things that the baby does. I'm like, I didn't know it looked like that in the beginning. You know? Yeah, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to cut it off right there. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to stop right there. It's like, what in the world is going on. They didn't tell me about this process. They didn't tell me the truth about having a kid. Now listen, some of you may feel that way when it comes to Christianity. Some of you who are followers of Jesus or are said yes to Jesus at some point in your life, you may feel that same way that I felt when we got Isaiah home. Like, hold on, they didn't tell me that it was like this to follow Jesus. They didn't tell me the truth of what it really looked like when I said yes to Jesus. And so this morning, family, I want to have a conversation around that idea, the truth about following Jesus. And so if there's any other Sunday where I'm actually going to tell you the truth is going to be today. The other Sundays I lied. I'm going to be back to lying next week. But today, that is a joke. Do not go on Twitter and tell me, man, they be lying over there. Somebody take a little sound by it and then, you know, Way FM over here or, you know, WHNT. Like, what's wrong with that new church? Don't do that. Okay, it was a joke. Lighten up a little bit. <laughs> but the truth about following Jesus. You know, I think many of us, we easily forget that life is a journey. That it's a, that, that it's a destination. That we, we never have this moment where we go like, yo. I've arrived now, right? Like we look around like, yo, I've made it, mama, I've made it. But instead, we live in and through moments that take us to the next moment. So, for example, 
if you're married in here, you didn't just get married, right? It was, it was for most of you, I should say that. Like, it was, it was a process. It was a journey. Like, fellas, you had to first shoot your shot. And you had to ask her out. You had to make an approach. Everybody was pushing you to do it anyway, right? You had to go take your shot and make a move. And then, I guess, if you're married, uh, she either then or eventually she said, yes, I'll go out uh, on a date with you. And maybe you decided to, you know, have coffee or lunch or dinner or whatever the case was. And in that process, you passed the is he crazy test. Now, it's a test that you didn't know, fellas, that you were taking. But that's what she was doing, trying to determine if you were crazy. And she already had friends ready, probably at that restaurant, to rescue her just in case you were. And so, you didn't do that, did you? Okay. And so you passed so pass the test, and then that led to another date, and, and then eventually uh, you got introduced to the family, and you were allowed to show up uh, at the family functions, and, and then the conversations got uh, deeper and, you know, more interactive conversations, and you're talking about real things, not just your favorite color and stuff like that, but the conversation uh, actually meant something, and then ultimately um, she's like, girl, he went to Jared, and he got a ring, and he found himself on on one knee, but if he was Jordan's, he did not crease it. He took the shoe off, so he didn't crease, <laughs> crease the sneaker. Let's understand that. And then he popped the question, will you marry me? And then you said yes, and then y'all made some plans together, and then you showed up at the church, she showed up at the church, and then uh, y'all met at the altar. She was in her white dress like it was a Jagged Edge song, and y'all exchanged Y'all vows and made those promises and all that good stuff. And eventually, it was the beginning of a beautiful marriage. But it was a moment that led to other moments, right? It was a journey. And much of it is, this is very similar to what it looks like to follow Jesus. That it is a journey. And one of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible, it alludes to that. Philippians 1.6, that says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So when we say yes to Jesus, right, it's not just about what God can do in a moment. And I understand he can do some amazing things in a moment, but it's also what he does in moments. Are you tracking with me? Right? It's meaning progression, meaning over time and in time, that it's about becoming, that every single day is a day that I'm becoming the person that God desires me to be. And I can be confident that if I'm not that person today, then it just means that God's not done. Because listen, there are many things about God, but if there's one thing about God is that he is a finisher, right? That he doesn't begin something, that he doesn't intend to finish it. If he started it, he's going to finish it. And some of you, you need to hear that today. Because there's a word of the Lord that you have. There's something that's been spoken over your life. And you haven't seen seen it come to pass. And you've been wondering, like, has God forgot about that? Has he forgotten about me? Listen, he hasn't forgotten about you. If God started it, he's going to finish it. He's a finisher. He's a closer. 
An NBA playoffs are happening right now. Kevin Durant may not be a closer, but understand, God is a closer. He is a finisher. And so following Jesus, it is a journey. But if we're honest, that's not the story that we've all been told. And I'm not saying that we have set in environments where the preacher told us that it was going to be one way or another. But it's actually been conversations with those who say they follow Jesus or those who are Christians. You're like, what are you talking about? Have you ever met that Christian that when you ask, how are you doing? Their response is, oh, I'm just blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Can you just speak English, you know? (laughs) Or what about this one? Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm just going to keep it real on this Sunday morning, the truth about following Jesus. In most cases, not all, what you just heard was a lie. (laughs) Because you're not highly favored of the Lord. You're in debt. (laughs) That you're not too blessed to be stressed. No, you haven't slept in weeks judging by the bags underneath your eyes. No, this is not true. And see, what happens is when those who are new to the faith, when they experience trials and testing and trouble, they will think to themselves, well, then what am I doing wrong? What am I missing? What What am I not getting right? Because My life doesn't seem like it's highly favored and blessed of the Lord. That I am really stressed and I'm certainly not blessed at all. And so instead of continuing to follow the way of Jesus, they decide to take the exit off. In which, honestly, this type of life or thinking is really disappointing because this is not an idea that Jesus ever projected on what it would look like to follow him. In fact, in John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will. He didn't say you might. He didn't say it's a possibility. He says you will have trouble. But it doesn't end right there. He says, but take heart because I've overcome the world for you. And so the truth is what we've been told wasn't the truth. And so then maybe the question is, well, what is the truth? Listen, we may experience difficult moments. We may go through trial, testing, and trouble. But Jesus says, listen, take heart because I have overcome the world for you. Take heart because I've overcome sickness. Take heart because I've overcome pain. Take heart because I've come over grief. Take heart because I've overcome disappointment. I didn't say you would not experience these things, but what I have told you is to take heart because I have overcome that. Now, you may walk in me overcoming that here today on this side of eternity, but it may not be till you get to the other side. But what he is doing, he is teaching us and saying, listen, I'm trying to get you to move away from an earthly perspective and into a heaven perspective. Now, we do get to pray on earth as it is in heaven, but we can't stop on earth. Our perspective has to be heaven to understand if the answer of the prayer isn't answered on this side, that doesn't mean it will not happen on the other side. It's realizing that this is not my home, but I'm simply, I'm simply passing through. So I can't have all the answers of why they got healed, but they did not. But what 
I can tell you, is not that they didn't get healed, is that they will be healed on the other side of eternity. And I know that's not always comforting in this moment because we love them, we care for them, and we want them here in this space. But there is a perspective that, that we know that I will see them one day when we are gathered with all the other angels and everybody else declaring how holy God is. And we're walking in this new body where there is no sickness, there is no disappointment and we won't remember the atrocity that we experienced on this side of eternity. But it's hard for us to get that perspective because we're stuck here. So God is saying, listen, I got to get you out of here even though you're there and understanding where I want to take you. Because I believe our prayers become that much more powerful on, on, uh, on earth as it is in heaven when we understand that we just don't stop on earth. Are you tracking with me? So this morning, I want to share three observations on the truth about following Jesus. Now, I say three, but understand that this list isn't all-encompassing, but this is a list to get us started. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down, that it's not what you thought. That's the first observation. It's not what you thought. So it's clear, based on what, I, what we just talked about, that we've established that already, that oftentimes following Jesus is not what we thought. But following Jesus may not be what you thought, but a lot of this idea that, we came, that, that it was going to be one way was projected on upon us. So we need to get the idea of what it really means to follow Jesus and what that really looks like. Now, the first test of following Jesus was probably the third time somebody made you upset. The first couple of times was easy to dismiss because you're recalling the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, love, joy, peace, patience. <laughs> and you figure out a way to have patience with that person. But by the third time, you're ready to bless them if you understand what I'm saying. And somebody laughed a little too hard, so you must have been blessing people lately. <laughs> I'm just messing with <laughs> But it's, it's some of you are saying, well, well, wait a minute. These desires that I thought I used to have are, no longer, are not the desires that I used to have, but they're still the desires that I still have. What's going on with that? I say yes to Jesus. I I thought this would go away. I thought I would stop desiring it. I thought I would stop looking at that. I thought I would stop getting involved with that. Why am I still having this thought? Boy, keep your head straight. What are you looking at? Right? We thought, like, why are these thoughts still popping up in my head? See, what we often miss, family, is that following Jesus means saying yes to him, but it's also saying yes to a process. And you may have thought it was instant, But listen, it can be instant. There's a lot of things that God can do instantly in a moment. But it's also a process. And scripture alludes to just that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, and we all with unveiled faces reflecting the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So saying yes to Jesus is saying yes to a spiritual revelation 
that he is the way. So when you say yes to Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm surrendering my life to you. You're saying yes to this revelation that he is Lord, he is, he is Savior, he is Messiah. Now, that spiritual revelation is followed by spiritual transformation. And so what happens is the veil of religion is removed, and we can see Jesus for who he is and for what he is, which begins this process through which God transforms us, his children, into the image of Christ. So following Jesus is not this idea where everything changes in a moment. Understand, it can I'm not discounting that. Please don't don't think I'm saying that. It can. But it's also a journey of transformation that Jesus takes on until ultimately we look like him. Are you tracking with me this morning? So even with that, in regards to your salvation story, your salvation experience, it was much more than a moment. When you say yes to Jesus, and receive salvation, I would say we need to look at it this way, that you are saved. So you say yes to him, right? Romans 10, it talks about that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. In that moment, you are saved. So yes, you are saved, but also you are being saved, and you will be saved. So meaning in that moment, you are saved. Jesus has saved you from God's coming wrath. Now, when I talk about wrath, I don't want you to think like, oh, somebody did me wrong, so you're going to experience my wrath. That's not what the wrath of God is. The wrath of God is his righteousness judging sin, right? Not judging you, but is his righteousness judging sin. But here's the good part. When you say yes to Jesus, Jesus has actually stepped into into that space and took that on for us. So when we say yes to him, we are saying, yes, we are being saved and we will be saved, which means we're being transformed, right? So it's about becoming into the person that God has called us to be. It's becoming into looking in the image of Christ. And then this last part, you will be saved, meaning one day you will live in paradise with Jesus and be free from the atrocities of a sin-filled, fallen world. And so salvation is not just this, this thing that happens there, but it's also saying you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. It is so much a journey. It is so much a process. Now, I will say this. There's so much more I can go into that, but we're going to pause right there because we got this collection coming up and we can continue this conversation. But I do want to say this. Like, I must admit to you this morning, since we're talking about the truth, so I'm going to give you the truth this morning, that the last two years of these stay-at-home orders and these shutdowns and curbside ordering has not exactly been the best for me, family. It became too convenient to eat out and way too easy to miss the gym. Ah, I go go next. Like, you miss Monday and then you got to go Monday. Why can't you go Tuesday? (laughs) You know? Now, this week, you know, I made a commitment to do better. It wasn't the best, but it was better. Y'all get up off of me. I'm becoming, okay? All right? You know? But it takes time, right? Like, The belt didn't get tighter 
in a moment. And it's not going to get looser in a moment either. It's going to happen day by day. And that's our second observation this morning. It's day by day. The truth about following Jesus, it's day by day. So transformation doesn't happen in an instant, but transformation happens over time. And when you think about things that last, they last because it took time to cultivate, to get everything in order and get everything together. Like there's a difference between a steak that you took time to marinate before you threw it on the grill compared to some steakums that you threw in the microwave. There's a little difference there. But much is the same with following Jesus. Your journey with Jesus is a journey. Get that. But what happens is oftentimes people attach a timeline to it. And then they say things like, are you still dealing with that? I thought you would have been past that by now. Oh, I thought you go to church now. Jesus, boy, you ain't lasting too long, I see. Or, oh, see, I, I knew that Christianity stuff wasn't going to last. You tripping. You might as well jump back in the mix just with the rest of us. But see, the truth is, people have the wrong idea of what it means to surrender your life to Jesus. It doesn't mean that your problems all of a sudden disappear. But what it does mean is that you have an opportunity every single day as you are willing to surrender your will for God's will. Some days it's going to be up and it's going to be up and down. We talked about that last week. Right? There's highs and lows, there's ebbs and flows, but you got to lean into the consistency of God through it. Because when you wake up every single day to say, "Lord, I am surrendering this day and this moment to you," then you are moving in the right direction. You are deciding to move into the direction of loving, living, and looking like Jesus. Now, I can hear some of you asking questions like, I hear you, but I really did assume that when I said yes to Jesus, yes to follow him, that all my issues would go away. Now, my question would be, well, who told you that? (laughs) Because that's not what Jesus says. In fact, Paul kind of hints at that in Romans 7.15. Where he says, I do not understand what I do. Have any of you ever been there? Like, I just do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. <laughs> but what I hate, I do. Can anybody resonate with that? Look, we've been talking truth. You tell the truth, okay? Right? We, we all find ourselves there. Now, to understand a little bit about Paul, like he was once a persecutor of Christians until ultimately becoming one when he encountered Jesus. And he went on to write a majority of the New Testament. And so this is that guy, Paul, who is characterizing himself as a person who more often than not does the opposite of what he himself wants to do. But instead of doing what he wants to do, he finds himself doing what he hates to do. Let's be honest, does this sound familiar? Does this sound like you and me? Man, I said I wasn't going to do that again. Man, when he said, what you doing, I said I was going to ignore that text. Man, when he texts, are you up, I was not going to respond. (laughs) We talking truth this morning, okay? So although we have been freed from the power of sin, we continue to live under its influence. 
So sometimes we find ourselves saying the same thing as Paul. Why do I keep doing the thing that I do not want to do? And so now the question is, so what do we do? Do we keep on sinning and making the same decisions that we don't want to make? Well, certainly not. But what we have to do, we need to trust the grace of God and believe in its power. Now, I'm not talking about to live this religious life, right, to do things out of religious obligation, but understanding that you have an opportunity to connect with Jesus and the relationship that he wants to build. And so when, like, I don't love my wife and treat her the way I treat her out of an obligation, but out of love and out of our relationship. And so it's the same way with following Jesus, that he's not inviting us into a life of rules and regulation, but into relationship. And so when that relationship looks one way, ultimately our, the way we live will look another way. Now, on the same end of that, he's not saying modify your behavior, but he's saying, no, I'm trying to get you into life transformation. So here's one thing about religion. Here's one thing about the law. Uh, St. Augustine, he says this, that the law detects, but it's grace alone that conquers sin. So the law is going to tell you all that you did wrong, all that you're messing up. It's going to detect that. But it's grace. It's relationship. It's connecting with the heart of Jesus and living in the freedom that he has won for us on the cross that allows us to conquer sin's influence. Are you tracking with me? Romans 5.20, you may say this, like, listen, I hear you, but that text be coming through. Or I hear you, but there's this opportunity. Look what Romans 5.20 says. It says, but where sin increase, grace increase all the more. Family, it is the grace of God that empowers you to follow Jesus. It's not in how many songs you know by heart. It's not in how many scriptures you can quote of the Sunday school class you used to teach. It is simply the grace of God that empowers you to live a life following Christ. So get off of this idea that it's about me, it's about what I do, and yes, I do what I don't want to do, all this stuff. No, lean into the grace of God that is available to you and that is gives you a, the power to overcome the sin that you're faced with. But you got to get this idea of relationship, right? And we think we have it, but many of us, we don't. But get that idea of relationship. And it may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But over time, you're going to see your decisions change. It's not going to be behavior modification, but it's going to be life transformation. So in your moment of weakness, family, do like Paul does. Paul says, I boast about my weakness. Like the Lord told Paul, he says, listen, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. So whatever it is that you're experiencing, the grace of God is more powerful than that. 2 Corinthians 12, now look at it. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm struggling in this, but I'm going to boast about God's grace. I'm struggling in that, but I'm going to boast about God's grace so that his power may rest on me. Now, before we move on, 
I'm not saying God's grace is a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? And we don't say, well, I got God's grace, so I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing, and I'll stop. And like, Lord, forgive me. You know, your boy tripping. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know? That's not what it is. That there are consequences to the decisions that we make. But we have God's grace sustaining us through the result of those choices that we make. And so some of us in here this morning, we can relate to that. That there are some things that maybe when you were younger that you got involved in, or maybe even recently, that now you have to deal with the result of those decisions, but yet you can also see what the grace of God has kept you and is keeping you. So, yes, it may be tough, but there's this revelation, but it's not what it could have been. And that's only because of the grace of God. And our final observation this morning is this. The truth about following Jesus is often absent of the details. Now, I'm a man of details. If we're going somewhere, I want to know a couple of things. And one question I ask is, who all over there? (laughs) So you can determine, like, if I'm going to go or how long I'm going to stay if we go. And what's the reason we got to dip? You know what I mean? Y'all get the truth. (laughs) And some other follow-up questions might be, who made the potato salad, you know? Oh, you ain't been cooking long enough. You can't make that yet. You ain't graduated. You bring the plates and the cups and the napkins. <laughs> you can't get into the mac and cheese yet. These things are important. We just got to know. But if you're like me, you also take the same approach in following Jesus. Like, come on, Jesus, if you can just tell me what's going to happen in the next five to ten years. If you can just tell me how is this going to play out. Like, I won't tell nobody. Just let me know. Come on. But we know that it doesn't happen like that, family. In fact, we can just go ask Abram. In Genesis 12, 1 through 5, I don't, I don't think I gave you guys that in the back. So I'm just going to read it. If you have your copy, just follow with me. I'll just kind of summarize it. But the Lord says to Abram, he says, listen, go from your country, your people, and your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Let me ask you this question. What do you do when the Lord tells you to leave what you know? Have you been there before? He says, listen, this is where I'm taking you. And it is not what you know, but that's where I want you to head to. And I believe that there are many of us in here that are in that very spot. Whether that's what the Lord is saying to you now or what he just said to you. That God has been calling you to leave what you know and to step into what's next. But what made it difficult is for some of you, God has been absent with the details. And the only thing that God has given you is what he gave Abram. He gave you an 
I will. But listen, I will sounds good, but I will also lacks the details. It lacks the the what, the why, the when, the where, the how that many of us look for. And I can relate to that quite a bit. There have been, excuse me, there have been several I will moments in my journey of following Jesus. In our marriage, for that matter. Whether it was at one time leaving a career that I was busy working in and, and, and trying to build and leaving it because I felt the tug on my heart of the Lord calling me into full-time ministry. Or another I will when he says, I want you to leave your family and friends, literally, and move to a place that you know nothing about. Or even the most recent one, and moving to Huntsville with absolutely no details. Hey, why are you moving to Huntsville? I do not know. <laughs> no, that was for real. What you going to go do? I have no idea. Then why are you going? I say go. He didn't give us any details when we moved here. But without any doubt, I knew that the Lord was very clear when he said move to Huntsville. And so here we are. We're in Huntsville with no idea what's next. And listen, I don't know if those I will moments are ever, excuse me, I don't know if those I will moments are ever ideal. There we go. (laughs) But when we moved here, it certainly was not. COVID was spreading like crazy. Excuse me, 19 was spreading like crazy. I don't want YouTube to take us down. Racial tensions were high. The polarization of politics were off the charts. So listen, it wasn't exactly the best time to pack up your family of five and move on an I will. But family, that is exactly what it's like following Jesus. That he never called us to the next thing where it's ideal. And see, some of us, and I'm closing this morning, some of us, we are hesitant to respond to what God is calling us to because we want clarity from God. Lord, when I, when I just get clarity of exactly what you're saying, then I'm going to go. But friends, can I tell you? That the currency of the kingdom of God isn't clarity. It's faith. The scripture says we walk by faith, not by clarity. So if you're waiting on the clarity of God, listen, stop. Instead, activate your faith in God to say, listen, I don't know what's next. I don't know what this journey of following you looks like, but I am willing to trust you. Now, I will tell you that in doing so, you will find yourself in the middle. In fact, some of you are, some of us are in the middle this morning. You know, God has called you. He's like, I I know you called me from here. But yet you're wrestling with, well, God, what are you you doing next? I know I'm not supposed to be here anymore. 
but I'm not exactly sure where is where. You're in the middle. But can I challenge you with this this morning? Have faith for the middle. That the middle is where God is shaping you. The middle is where God is developing you. The middle is where God is equipping you with every single thing you need for where he is taking you. God, where are you taking me? Just hold on, but I'm equipping you. God, where are you taking me? Just hold on. I'm getting you ready. Family, we cannot despise the middle. Because if we despise the middle, we're despising the preparation that's necessary to possess the, pro- the process, the promise. Excuse me. Let me say that again. If we despise the middle, we are despising the preparation that's necessary to possess the promise. I want the promise, but I don't want the preparation. I want the promise, but I don't want the middle. No. What God wants to do in you and through you will require you to live in the middle. Because understand this, there is a gap from the promise to the fulfillment. God made the promise to Abram when he was 75 years old. How long did it take that promise to be fulfilled? Genesis 21.5, it shows us. It says Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac, who was the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise, was born. Family, I am not a math major, but that tells me the gap was 25 years between the promise and the fulfillment. How many of us give up because it's been two months? How many of us says, man, I am done with this because they said to follow Jesus, but all my issues didn't necessarily go away, so I'm just going to go back to what I know. God is saying, no, leave what you know and begin this journey of following me. You know, oftentimes in that transition, people will ask us, so what's, what do you feel like? I says, man, I feel like I stepped out of a classroom and now I'm in the hallway and I'm headed to the next class, but I just can't step into the next classroom that I'm in the hallway. And some of you, you feel like you're in the hallway, but what do you do in the hallway? Family, we got to worship in the hallway. We got to keep praying in the hallway. We got to fast in the hallway. We got to keep believing in the hallway because the moment will come when the door opens up and God says, step into what I have called you into. So I want to free you this morning. I want you to be free this morning of what it looks like to follow in Jesus. Oftentimes we've attached an American Christianity culture of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to live a blessed life. I bet we will see really easily that there is a major difference from what Christians in America will call blessed to what Christians in India or China or Africa will call blessed. So we got to lose the way that we put our American culture on it, Western culture on it, and say, no, God, what does it really mean to follow you? Here's the thing I want you to get this morning. Following Jesus isn't a straight line, but the truth about following Jesus is that it is a journey of faith. That's it. (laughs) 
There's going to be a lot of questions you're going to have, a lot of things you don't understand. But it's a journey of faith where God says, can you trust me? Will you trust me? Verse 22 of Matthew 4, it says this, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It's much like Abram. They got out of the boat. They were fishermen. They knew that boat. They knew the water. They knew what it was like. But they got out of the boat to follow Jesus. They didn't know what was next. They didn't know what was coming up. A lot of them, even all the time that they followed him, they still had the wrong idea of him. They thought he was going to be this conquering king to overthrow Rome. And he says, no, I'm trying to overthrow the sin that is in your heart. And he never got that understanding and that perspective. But yet they were willing to get outside of the boat and go on a journey of faith with Jesus. And I believe that is that that he is calling us to this morning. Would you pray with me?